Welcome to On the Record with White and Case. This is the podcast where we discuss life in big law, whether you're considering a career in big law, studying at law school, or already one of us. This podcast is where you can get to know our firm and our people. Expect tips and advice, insights into our work, and find out about what lawyers actually do all day. And in every episode, we'll go off the record with our guests for the lighter side of legal life. I'm Juliette Fernandez, and this is On the Record with White and Case. Today, I'm super excited because it's the first time we are doing a crossover episode featuring one of our trainees from our London office, Steph Larte, um, who has been on a training contract with us in the UK for the last two years, but is completing her overseas seat with us in our Houston office, which is also where I sit. Um, So super excited to jump in with you, Steph. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really good, thanks. The weather here in Houston is fantastic, so I cannot complain. I think that's hysterical because I walked outside this morning and the humidity was 150%. I am like, this is disgusting. I miss the cold, but you know, you always want what you don't have, I suppose. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to kind of kick off with your journey to law school, or not law school, university, I suppose, because it's a little bit different, um, the route that you take in the UK versus the US. City law is what is kind of the big law equivalent or like the language that is used to determine what a big law firm is or a magic circle firm is. So that's one thing that I want to point out as we kind of kick off the episode. Um, But to kick it over to you, talk to me a little bit about your journey from university, deciding that you wanted to go into law and kind of that background. Yeah, sure. So I actually felt like I wanted to become a lawyer pretty young. Um, It wasn't based off of anything, you know, intelligent. I just saw a lot of lawyers on TV and they looked really cool. So I thought that was something that I could do. But then as I got a bit older and I kind of did a bit more research into, okay, well, what does a lawyer actually do? What would that work entail? What kind of skills would I need? Um, I just kind of spoke to different careers advisors at school. I spoke to my mom, I spoke to my siblings, and um, I then decided I was going to study law at university. There's a couple of different routes that you can take to become a lawyer. Um, And I guess one of the most traditional ones is to do a three-year undergraduate qualifying law degree. So that's what I chose to do. Um, And whilst I was on my law degree, in my third year, I did a vacation scheme. So that's the equivalent of an internship. Um, And then I converted that vacation scheme into a training contract, which is what I'm doing now. That's kind of a a very condensed version of how I got into the law, but happy to pick apart any any bits of it if you want to. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think... The best part about this episode to me is how much I'm going to learn and shout out to my UK team. They're always trying to explain all of the different things, but it goes way over my head. So I think hearing firsthand perspective and kind of walking through the journey will help me kind of get a better picture on it. Um, So you talk about doing the vacation scheme, and I think that would probably be the equivalent of our summer program, but our summer program is 10 weeks long, and I don't think that's vacation scheme Long. No. So what what's kind of the vacation scheme? And is it, do you go back to complete your last year of university after the vacation scheme? Yes. Yeah, so typically vacation schemes are two weeks long. Um, some firms have different lengths, but at White & Case, it's two weeks long. And the way it works is that there's different vacation schemes. So the summer vacation scheme, I believe, is open to all. So um, second year undergraduates and onwards. So you can be third year, you can be graduated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the winter vacation scheme, which is the one I did, is only open to third year undergraduates. Um, so you need to be in your final year 
and above. Um, and on that two weeks, you typically shadow. So you pick what team you want to be in. So whether it's corporate litigation, that sort of thing, uh, you shadow another trainee in that team so that you can kind of get first hand experience as to what work you would be doing if you were to get a training contract there. Um, and there's also a lot of networking opportunities as well. So you get to speak to partners in different teams. You speak to graduate recruitment. Um, and you're usually doing that alongside your studies. So when I did my winter vacation scheme, I, well, co coincidentally, it just kind of lined up with when I finished school. But I happened to finish school on like the Friday and the vacation scheme started on the Monday. But I know for some people, they were doing, you know, university at the exact same time and that you just kind of work around that. Um, if you tell the HR team that you're still in, in uni, they, they can work around that as well. So you typically do it whilst you're still in school. That's great then that you finish and kind of got to do like a fully immersive two weeks, kind of, like you said, shadowing, figuring out what it is you like to do. What was probably the highlight of those two weeks for you? I guess one of the highlights for me was probably just the ability to actually get an inside look into what work was like. Because I think from the outside looking in, especially when you don't, so for me, I, I didn't know any lawyers, so I didn't actually really have an insight into what the world of law was really like. So for me, that was a good opportunity to actually see, oh, when I see this deal in the newspaper and they say that this was a two billion takeover or something like that, this is what it actually means. Like, this is what the associates did. This is what the trainee did. This is what the partner did. This is how they interact with the clients, all that sort of thing. So I, I got a really good insight into how the deals actually work on the back end in the legal team. And that was really eye-opening for me. That's great that you got the experience and you have a wonderful article on Inside White and Case and you really talk about kind of your tenacity and the continued interest in White and Case and how you continue to apply even though you kind of had rejection the first time, the second time, then the third time, kind of third time's a charm. Kind of talk to me about, I think... The first, the first route is obviously top of mind, why white and case, right, before you even got an inside look. And then two, how you kind of kept yourself motivated to continue kind of applying and trying to get that position in the vacation scheme. Yeah, sure. So I actually was first, I guess, introduced to White and Case from a, a presentation. Um, I, I attended this presentation that all kind of uni students could attend. And uh, an associate um, in the project finance team, I believe, spoke through one of the, the deals that they had done. And when they were talking through what they did, how the deal kind of came about um, and the length of the deal and all those sorts of things, I remember just sitting in the audience and thinking, this is so interesting. Like, I don't even know half, I don't really know what LNG is. I don't really know how they would build a terminal, but this sounds like what I want to do. Like, it just, it sounds amazing. So after that, I thought, okay, at the very least, I owe it to myself to try and get an, an internship here or something so that I can at least see if I would like to work here long term. So I applied to um, a careers dinner. So it's something that um, they do in the London office. And I didn't get that. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to let that kind of hold me back, you know, these dinners are very oversubscribed, you know, they only have a small number of spaces. It, it might not be that I wasn't that great. Maybe there was just too many applicants. When I was in my second year of uni, I then said, okay, I still love YNK, so I'm going to go for this again. And now I'm going to apply for a vacation scheme. So I did apply for one, didn't even get past the, the application stage, but I didn't let that keep me down. Um, I thought, okay, because I love this firm so much and I like the work that they do, I'm going to actually see how I can improve and become better. So I started reaching out to different people on LinkedIn. I started speaking to people that I had met from the presentation who, you know, were currently working at White and Case. And I was just trying to get a bit more of an insight into 
what is white and case like what makes white and case different because i felt like that was what was lacking in my application um and then i also got a better understanding of things like transferable skills because i didn't really have legal experience at the time when i was applying for these things but i had a lot of other work experience i had been working in many different part-time jobs for a number of years so i didn't realize that the value that those jobs had in how I could put that in on my application. So then I tried applying again and I tried to apply for a direct training contract. And again, I didn't get it. Um, and that again kind of knocks me back a bit because I thought, wow, I put in so much effort into improving my application and it's still not the best. Like, what do I do here? Do I want to change my tactic now? Do I want to go to a different firm? Because at this point, I had just kept trying for white and case because that's where I knew I wanted to be. And I thought, do you know what, Steph? Give it one more shot. I tried again in my third year and I applied for the winter vacation scheme and I got it. And I was so excited when I got it because I just felt like I had really over the past, I guess, 18 months lived that journey of rejection, rejection, rejection. Okay, we've got it. Okay, let's convert this into a training contract. And everything kind of just went on from there. It's been an amazing training contract. So I'm very happy that I did that and stuck throughout. That's amazing. And what we evaluate our candidates on is that tenacity and kind of that determination, that entrepreneurial kind of mindset and spirit. And you embody so much of it. And I think just in listening to your journey will help someone, you know, people get easily discouraged. They're like, maybe, you know, big law is not for me or city law is not for me. But if it's really something that you want to do, it's going to happen. It's going to pan out. You just have to kind of reevaluate what you're putting forward and kind of how you're presenting. Um, and I think that's just such a wonderful message. And I will put the Inside White and Case article link in our show notes for anyone who wants to check it out. Um, so now we're going to speed it up a little bit. You finish your vacation scheme, you go back to university, you finish your last year and you're heading into your training contract. Talk me through what that was like starting the training contract and I think take us up until your last rotation, your overseas seat, and then we'll kind of pop back in and check in on kind of how we want to address you being stateside for the last six months of your your training contract. Yeah, sure. So that was a very, again, I guess, interesting time because I didn't really know what to expect when I started my training contract. So when I, I first started, you know, the HR kind of reached out maybe a couple of months before, I can't remember exactly how how far in advance, but they reached out and said, you know, we can submit our options for what practice areas we'd like to do our first kind of six months in. So I then reached out to some people that I'd met in law school who were, I guess, a seat ahead of me. So they had already started. Um, and I just said, you know, what are you doing? Kind of tell me about the different practice areas. Tell me about the firm. What would you advise I do? That sort of thing. Um, and I remember speaking to one one trainee at the time who was in debt finance and who spoke about how, because I had said I really like transactional work, debt finance might be something that I would want to kind of get my teeth into first because it's a finance seat and you have to do a finance seat in the London office. But also I would get a lot of really good training, which would put me in good stead for the rest of my training contracts because in a debt finance seat, typically as a trainee, you're given a lot of responsibility. You really learn how to kind of manage your workload, manage your time produce really good um, quality work product with attention to detail, that sort of thing. So I thought, okay, this sounds like from a training perspective, this sounds like the perfect way to kind of get stuck into wet and case. So I'm going to put that down. And I got it. So I was really happy. Um, and I had an amazing six months there. I did a lot of kind of Africa work with the emerging markets team, but then also your standard kind of private leverage finance as well, which was very interesting for me. 
Then again, it came around to seek rotation time. So again, you know, HR reaches out and asks you to put down your, your options for what you want. And again, I kind of realized that speaking to people who had come before me seemed to be an efficient way to get things done. So I reached out to a couple of different associates and different teams that I had connected with throughout my first six months. And I just said, you know, I'm, I'm going into my second seat. This is what I think I like. This is what I think I don't like what do you suggest I do? What would you do if it was you kind of thing? And an associate told me about capital markets. And this was an interesting one because prior to joining the firm, um, because I think because I first met the firm at a project finance presentation, I always kind of thought in the back of my mind, project finance is where I'm going to end up. So when this associate told me about capital markets, I thought this actually sounds pretty cool. Like I've never heard of this before in that kind of way. I obviously know the term capital markets, but I didn't know what the team did. But it sounds like something I would enjoy. So do you know what? It's still my second seat. It's still early on in the training contract. Let's put it down. Let's have a go. Let's see if you like it. Um, and I did. And I loved it. I did debt capital market. And I also did a bit of structured finance work and securitization as well. And that was really amazing for me. Um, I had a great opportunity to kind of really interact with the clients, to start building my network, to start running some deals, things like that. So that was really great to do as a second seater. When it got around to doing my third seat, I kind of sat back and thought to myself, do you know what, Steph, you've done two finance seats and you have enjoyed them. So perhaps you're leaning more towards the finance way. But for the purposes of well-rounded training, especially considering that I've always kind of known I didn't want to do litigation, let's go and try a corporate seat just so that you do something a bit different. Right. So I put down corporate private equity um, in the London office. You can either do mergers and acquisitions or private equity. So I thought PE is still a bit financy, so you're still getting in your finance, but you're doing corporate. And I did that. And again, another great six months. And um, that retested a different set of skills for me. So I'm glad I did it. But that was still a, a very good six months. Um, and I really enjoyed all the contacts that I made there. Um, and it was nice to see the deals that you tend to actually end up seeing in the newspaper as well, because a lot of those deals tend to be the corporate deals. So that was really fulfilling as well. And then the overseas seat options came around and that was super exciting because we were actually going to go abroad and of course one of the main reasons why I even applied to White and Case was because of that guaranteed international secondment right you get six months and you get to work in another country like that has always been amazing for me so I looked at what I wanted to do in terms of practice area and at the beginning because I knew I wanted to try project finance I thought let's try and get into project finance now because you haven't done it yet you need to try it to see if you actually like it, right? Um, and of the project finance kind of teams, um, Houston was one of the options. And I just thought in terms of the type of work that would be done, Houston seems like a really good office because they do a lot of Latin America work. They do a lot of emerging markets work, but it's slightly different to what is done in London. So I would get exposure to a whole new market. So for me, going to Houston in particular would be a great opportunity because I'd be tapping into a different market that I just haven't tapped into before. And it, it seemed to work out because I ended up coming to Houston. It's so insane speaking with you and listening to your journey. You can just tell you're super passionate about what you're doing, number one. And number two, you just really take every advantage or use every advantage that you get your way or create an advantage for yourself. And before we kind of dive into Houston, I want to circle back to something that you were saying about kind of poking around with people that have been in your position prior to, um, or kind of leveraging your network. You are like an insane networker. Like you are probably like going to be asked to do a TED talk one day. How do you get over maybe not having the confidence or kind of the shyness to really use your network to help you advance and kind of get you to the next step? Um, what would be kind of your piece of advice for that? 
Yes, that, that's a really good question because typically I am what you would describe as an introvert. I'm not someone who, you know, generally likes to always go out and meet new people, things like that. It makes me feel quite shy, quite nervous. But I think one thing I've learned over the years is just the importance of tapping into your strengths and not necessarily focusing on what like others might perceive as being the best thing to do. So for me, for example, I do really well in kind of one-on-one conversations, small groups. I'm really good at kind of just talking to people and understanding them on an emotional level and befriending them, I guess. So I think for me, it was quite easy to build my networks in such a way that people were always happy to help because people were my friends. That was just, you know, it's like if a friend reaches out to you, you're going to help them, right? And I think I've kind of had that experience because of how I network with people. And it's been easier for me to do that because I haven't focused on, oh, I don't always want to go to like the biggest parties because it makes me feel a bit shy. And I just kind of make sure I have those individual connections with people on a smaller level so that I'm still having an increased network. So my advice to people would be just focus on what you are good at and capitalize on that because you, you can do something. You are good at something. You don't need to necessarily kind of stress about what everybody else is doing because that's probably going to hold you back focus on what you can do and then that will help you grow i love that so much and resonate with it so much i think exactly what you said playing on your strengths knowing what you bring to the table and it really is knowing that you have a couple of key people there that will help kind of maybe introduce you to someone that you didn't have an opportunity to meet you know so far or vice versa like you can share your network as well Um, So I really love that. And just like I said, I resonate with it so much. So now getting to the fun stuff, stuff that I know a little bit about, let's talk about your time in Houston. How has it been going? You're almost done now in Houston. How has it been going? Houston has been, honestly, for want of a better word, amazing. It's been a really good experience. Um, I I don't even know where to begin. The work out here has been really good. And I think it's a combination of being in my final seat, but also just the nature of the way, from what from how I've been speaking to different associates, it's the nature of the way things seem to work in the US offices. I do think I've been given a lot more kind of autonomy and responsibility to run things as if I'm an associate. And obviously in, in London, I wouldn't be an associate yet. So it's quite nice to have that, you know, oh, you're treated like an associate here. You can kind of run with the deal, check in with the partner if you need to, that sort of thing. That's really helped me with my development, I think. Um, outside of that, the, the city is also just great too. I'm so glad that you've had such a great experience. I'm also curious to hear a little bit about what you think culturally is kind of similar, what you've seen between London and Houston offices, and what are some of the nuances that you see maybe in kind of a younger office um, after having sat in London for, for a few years at this point? Good question. Um, I think there's definitely, so there's the American culture, but then there's also the Southern hospitality thing, I think. Even though you sit in an office by yourself, everybody's going to come in and say hi to you at some point in the day. Whereas in London, you tend to sit two to three in an office. So you kind of just speak to your people in the office because, you know, you're working with them all day, right? In the Houston office, I speak to everybody, whether they're in project finance, debt finance, um, tax, we all just kind of connect and meet up because we have our our weekly breakfasts or different uh, opportunities where we can actually kind of get together as a, as a team. And I guess because it's a newer office, but also a bit smaller, there's opportunity to do that. I can't see how, you know, all 400 of us in London would be able to get together for breakfast every week. So it's understandable. Um, but that's, that's a nice, a nice difference, I guess, because it is nice to be able to expand your network beyond just the team you're working in. So that's quite cool. 
Um, I think outside of that, White & Case is definitely kind of one firm because there are definitely things that I would see here, just even in terms of the way we do our work, that I would be like, this is exactly what we do in London. How strange, because we're actually in America, we're in Houston, but right. it's firm. we do the same thing. So that, that's that been good to see, I guess, because it just means that you can really work with anyone from any office and you know that the way that you're going to do the work is going to be the same. So that's good. I think when I was reading your Inside White and Case article, you mentioned, you know, your background, your family is from Ghana and the work that they, that we've done in Ghana. And I think, I believe some of our team in Houston does some of that work. Have you had an opportunity to kind of link back that aha moment of connecting the dots and actually being able to work on that, that project or that, with that team? No, so not with that team. So I actually remember the very deal that you're talking about. There was an LNG regasification project in Tema, which is actually where I live in Ghana. So that's why that deal was really, really um, impactful for me. Um, but no, I haven't actually connected with that team, but I have been doing some more because obviously Houston is a very kind of energy focused office. So I have been doing some more of those types of deals. And it's, I think it's nice for me to actually see what that deal actually looks like. Because I think when I was first introduced to the deal, you know, I hadn't done any internships. I hadn't been inside a law firm. So for me, it was just, oh, this law firm's a, a big city law firm and they're doing something in my country. That's amazing. But I didn't actually really know what they were doing. I didn't know how that worked. But now that I've actually been working on some of those deals, I know what the agreements look like. I know how the commercial points are negotiated. I know what states are looking for. Like That's interesting to me. So I've enjoyed being able to see that on the back end. That's so cool. And I think when you're able to kind of connect it back to your personal life. So, so much of who we are is kind of the work we're doing and what we're excited about. And it really just helps keep everyone engaged and passionate, especially when you can kind of link it back to things that are important to you, things that, you know, connect to your family life or your personal life. Um, So I love that. And I love that that was also included in the article and we got a chance to speak about it. Um, So kind of wrapping up, where we are. I mean, you're just wonderful. I see your face and you're so energized and so excited about the things that you're doing. And I know that we can talk for probably hours, um, but I'm really interested to hear um, before we get into our off the record moment, what is next for you, what you're excited about. So you're going to finish up your trainee contract in February. Um, So talk to me about what that looks like and kind of what's exciting about what's to come. So many things are exciting about what's to come. That's the first thing I'll say. Um, I'm finally going to be an associate, so that is nice. I am looking to go back to capital markets. Um, so that's where I'll be qualifying uh, next year. So that will be great. What led you to choose that practice area? I was kind of assessing and evaluating throughout the course of my training contract. What do I actually like? What do I actually want to do? When it actually came down to, I guess, crunch time, quote unquote, when it was time for me to pick, I already had all of those things that I was doing. And then I also just spoke to my supervisors and just asked them about how they made their decisions. And through listening to their stories, it kind of just helped me realize, well, based off of what I've gone through, this is what I like. This is what I think suits me well. This is where I feel like I'll be able to grow and do what it is that I want to do. Because at the end of the day, you working is kind of a two-way contract. Yes, you are working for a firm. Yes, I am working for White & Case. But White & Case is also building me to become a really good lawyer. So I have to make sure that I am qualifying somewhere where I feel like I can do that. So that's kind of how I I went about it, I guess. That's awesome. So much of, you know, having a great career is loving what you do. I think you kind of shaped your experience by meeting with the different people and getting exposure to the different work and ultimately 
because of all of that, making a really informed decision. Um, so you kind of are setting the stage for, you know, a career that you're passionate about. And I'm so looking forward to probably being on another email with you in like another two years, and then you'll have the associate title. And then, you know, in X amount of years, Steph Larte partner in the London office or wherever you choose to be at that point. Um, I'm really excited for your career and excited to have been a small part in kind of the beginning of it and getting to talk with you at the beginning of it before you deep dive into into your specialty. So thank you for for walking us through that and taking the time to do so. Um, And now for the fun moment, our off the record moment, what is an off the record moment in your career so far? Um, Okay, I I did think about a couple of different off the record moments. one that really stuck out for me, more so just because it, it was a true testament to the fact that when you are a trainee, especially in the London office, you're not just seen as, you know, a trainee. Like, you're not just someone who does all the admin or something like that. You're a valued member of the team. Like, you really, what you do really impacts the outcome of a deal. And I remember being told that because um, typically the trainee is the one who sends out a lot of the emails, especially in transactional seats. So I remember being told that, I should kind of make sure I understand everything and not just blindly send things out because if a client comes back to you, you're going to want to make sure you know what the answer is. And this was right at the beginning of my training contract. So it was in the height of the pandemic. We were all working from home. Um, And I remember seeing a number calling my work phone. So I just automatically assumed it was an associate or a partner or something. So I picked it up, you know, hi, it's Steph. And it was a client. And I was so shocked because it was the first time a client had ever called me. And they asked me a question about an email that I had sent. And I just remember in my mind thinking, oh, my gosh, the moment has come. A client has called me and they want to know something. (laughs) And I completely blanked. They asked me a question about literally the easiest thing. It wasn't even a legal question. That's how embarrassing it was. It was the easiest thing. And I just blanked because I was so shocked that a client had called me, not an associate and not a partner. So for me, it's funny now. I can laugh about it now. But it's just a reminder, I guess, to always, A, make sure you know what you're sending out. And B, have confidence and be ready for anything because you never know when a client is going to call you and you need to be ready for those moments. That's phenomenal. And I feel like it's one of those moments where you look back and you're like, what happened in this five minutes of my life? Like, did I black out? Was I in my body? What did I say? And like, nothing makes you feel that rather than like your very first, just kind of like, it almost feels like a cold call, like you're being cold called and, you know, tested. Um, But that's phenomenal. And I love how you kind of ended it with, you know, just have confidence in the work you're doing and what you're, what you're prepared to say. So um, always, always ending with a positive note, I think is a common theme with you, um, which is just wonderful. I've so enjoyed our time. I've really just loved hearing about kind of your journey, the tenacity that you've displayed from the first day. I wish you the best of luck as you finish um, up your your overseas seat in Houston. Obviously, I will see you around and looking forward to seeing what's next um, in your career here at White and Case. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thanks, Steph. You can find out more about our work, our people, and the opportunities we offer at inside.whitecase.com and on our social media channels on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. On the Record is for you, our listeners, so we want to hear from you. Email your thoughts, questions, and topic ideas to us at the address in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss out on our next episode.